This episode brought to you by Noda, powered by M&T Bank. Noda is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. This episode brought to you by Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365, just call 866-827-5568. Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. Welcome. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, and welcome to our new sponsor, NOTA. My guest today is John Van Amsterdam. He is a shareholder at Wolf Greenfield, an IP law firm headquartered in Boston. John has nearly 30 years of experience in worldwide IP practice, and he chairs the firm's hiring committee. John and I will discuss how Wolf Greenfield has approached hiring amid COVID-19 and talk about the technologies the firm's attorneys have needed to adopt while working remotely. John, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Lyle. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, John, could you start by sharing what brought you to Wolf Greenfield originally in the scope of your work now that you're there? Sure, that's uh, some, some time ago, but uh, I was uh, originally a scientist and uh, at some point had the opportunity to, to join Wolf Greenfield, which, uh, as, as you've already noted, was quite some time ago. Um, and it's, uh, you know, as we are an IP firm, we uh, do all kinds of work with all kinds of technologies, which, which fit very well with my background as a scientist. And right now, uh, most of my work is in um, IP prosecution, but of course, uh, also do counseling and some contested matter work as well. Right. Now, when did you become chair of the firm's hiring committee? That's an excellent question, Lyle. It's one that I, uh, that I have thought about a few times recently because I can't really remember. But let's say it's been probably about a dozen years ago, something along those lines. Okay, perfect. And you know, what was it about the role that made you excited to take it on? It was something that I had done as an associate. So I've been involved uh, being on the hiring committee as well as uh, doing a number of hiring activities for the biotech practice group, which is where uh, where I'm situated. And it just seemed like a, I think at the time, it seemed like a natural transition for me to take that task on. And I have enjoyed it very much. Right. And now, you know, pre-COVID-19, how would you describe the role and activities of the hiring committee? Our job is to oversee the, uh, the legal hiring for the firm. So not, the, not on the staff side, but I'm happy to discuss that uh, as well. But we really concentrate on the hiring of legal professionals, whether that's uh, attorneys or uh, technology specialists, which are um, people who are going to become Attorneys, so they may be patent agents, or they may be, as I was, a scientist who's just joining the uh, the IP profession. And so, the specific task of the hiring committee is sort of twofold. One is to you know oversee the the process generally speaking, but also it is to serve as a uh, kind of a, a QC, a quality control uh, aspect for the hires. So the way our hiring process works is that the uh, individual practice groups that we have will do the initial screening and first round of uh, interviewing for, uh, for new hires. And then 
the job of the hiring committee is to conduct a panel interview as a second round of, of, uh, of interviews. And that's sort of a, it's, it's a fairly recent adaptation that we've made to the hiring process. But that's, uh, you know, we'll have a panel of approximately four or five people from the hiring committee. And um, it's, it's an interesting process. Now, was that an adaptation or change that you made prior to COVID or since COVID has kicked in? Yeah, it was it was prior to COVID. It was um, it was sort of a uh, it was an attempt to uh, probe a little bit more deeply into uh, into you know what candidates were like. And so we ask, you know, we, the 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 practice group round, the first round, is to is to assess the person's qualifications from the technical perspective or the legal perspective, and to get a sense of their uh, you know their sort of fit into the into the that particular practice group. Um, what we do is we uh, we decided a few years back, and this was pre-COVID, to um, to see if we could enhance that by uh, having this panel interview in which we would ask um, sort of more non-standard questions that are behavioral based, um, and that you know it, it might be questions on judgment or on uh, network or on client focus or on leadership, and they're they're you know trying to. We ask some pretty tough questions. Um, they're not things that people can easily prepare for. So we get to see uh, in real time uh, how how different candidates handle that. How do they react? How quick are they on their feet and you know thinking and and so on. And I know you mentioned some general areas, but do you want to give an example or two of a kind of question that they might not be expecting? Oh sure, that would. You mean give up our give up our secrets? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind sharing one oh, or two sure. of those secrets, yeah, that's, no problem. I'll I'll give you my my favorite. Um, well, I mean, some of them are are kind of more mundane. It might be something like you know, describe for us the characteristics of a leader that that you admire, and tell us a little bit about that person so that we can understand that better. Another one might be something like tell us about a time that you were working on a project and it didn't go well. And you had to explain that to a supervisor. What, you know what happened, and and tell us how you handled that circumstance. And it also allows us, you know, all those kinds of questions allow us to have follow up questions that can, um, you know, elicit even even further responses and really get a sense for how how a person thinks about things. Um, but I I will give you my favorite question, which is, tell us about how emotions play into your decision making. Most people haven't really thought about that. And uh, so, you know, I, I get everything from uh, from a, a fairly quick response where they, you know, we're, we, we hire a lot of scientists and engineers and many of them will say, well, it, it doesn't. And they sort of go down the list of, well, you know, this is this is the spreadsheet that I create when I make a decision. <laughs> On the other hand, there are there are folks who will stop and think about it for a few seconds and, and then give a very thoughtful uh, answer about how that works for them. Right now, with these interviews that the panel does pre-COVID, would they take place in person typically? Yes, they would. Exactly. We're all we all get into the same room, and um, you know, it's not quite the, the firing squad lineup, but it is. It's usually it's actually meant to be, uh, you know, very non-threatening. It's actually meant to be a conversation that we have. So one of the things that I like to do when I'm on a panel is to is to break the ice and and you know make sure that there's you know, there's a bit of a joke being told or something so that the, try to put the person at ease. Um, and it's, it's not really, you know, sometimes people do feel the pressure a little bit. And so we want to 
you know, lower that uh, as much as we can and, and just have a conversation with the person. And now that, you know, we've been in these COVID times since March, how have you altered at all these panel interviews? In general, the, the you know, sort of the whole hiring process has changed uh, from the perspective that we can no longer meet in person. So uh, we've, we've actually been out since, uh, since March of last year. Uh, we're, I think we were one of the first law firms that, that went out. And so after, after a bit of a pause, just to see how, um, how things were going to work out from a business perspective and whether there was still a need to do the kind of hiring that we were doing, we, we then uh, transitioned to uh, virtual only interviews. And so, you know, that's, that's essentially done by, uh, by one of the, the several video conferencing software packages that we that we can use and 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 that includes the the panel interview we you know we do that just by jumping on zoom or pexif or teams and um you know we'll uh we'll conduct it as if we were just sitting around in the in the in the room i will say that it it took a little bit of getting used to and i think it's not quite the same as being in the in the room because you can't while you can see the person you can't really uh, get a sense of their body language quite as much as as you could before. So it's, um, it's you know, it, it's a good substitute, but it's not quite the same. And what do you try and do or ask to, you know, replicate the the in person environment as, as best you can, or to you know elicit responses that would be helpful in a virtual setting? It's oh, it's exactly the same. Otherwise, I mean, we you know we use the same questions, we use the same format. There seems to be somewhat fewer follow-up questions as a result of video conferencing versus being in person, um, and that might that might just be, you know, the result of uh, kind of being able to pick up on more cues when you're when you're in person as opposed to when you're, you know, looking at somebody on the Zoom screen. All right. So overall, you feel that the the hiring panel can you know size up candidates in a pretty comparable fashion to pre-COVID. I would, yeah, I would say so. And I would say the same is true for, for the initial round done by the practice group. Um, I think that those, you know, those, those are individual interviews. And so that in fact is very similar to the way it would have been conducted previously. So those, I think that the, you know, overall the hiring process has not really been uh, materially affected, but it, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we've been able to kind of transition or less seamlessly into uh, into the virtual world with this. And I've seen, you know, that during COVID, you've both hired attorneys in your Boston and New York offices, as well as um, patent agents and more technical experts. And I'm wondering if the hiring process between, you know, the legal hires and then those more with the, you know, kind of technical or scientific expertise, if those processes differ at all. No, those are uh, those are exactly the same, actually. So it would be for the staff side might be a little bit different, and you know that's that's done by uh, by others at the firm. But from a perspective of whether it's an attorney that we're hiring, or whether it's a summer associate that we're interviewing, or or it's a a, a patent agent that we're uh, that we're interviewing, it's that that part is all the same. It really goes through the same same exact process. And, you know, more broadly, um, what allowed the firm to stay in hiring mode even during, you know, the economic crisis that was sparked by the public health crisis? 
Yeah, that's a great question. We've been fortunate. I mean, I think, as I mentioned earlier, we we took a, a little bit of a pause just to make sure that things were, you know, were going to work out for us. And, you know, we we relatively quickly, relatively quickly found, I think, that, you know, that we were uh, going to be okay. And it, uh, well, I don't know if it was that quick, but in any case, it soon enough became apparent that we needed to hire people because, you know, because the, the work was still there. And, and that's certainly, we consider ourselves very fortunate that, uh, you know, that our clients were still kind of chugging along with the kinds of work that they, that they needed to have done. So, you know, as a result, you know, we, we really were able to more or less proceed in a normal manner. I mean, there were, you know, there were, of course, some, some considerations, some accommodations made, you know, just to ensure the, the overall health of the firm and to ensure that we were uh, that we were able to keep, you know, our, our entire staff. So we did not have, for example, we did not have layoffs. We did not have salary reductions. And that I think is, is has, we've been really fortunate to, to have that kind of circumstance. Yeah. Well, we'll be back after a short break. This episode is sponsored by Noda, powered by M&T Bank. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com LTN. Welcome back to my conversation with John Van Amsterdam of Wolf Greenfield. John, I want to turn to onboarding now. You know, once an attorney or staffer was hired, you know, in pre-COVID times, how would the firm go about trying to acclimate these new employees into the fold? Yeah, pre-COVID, uh, it's, <laughs> it really is hard to remember a little bit how it's been such a long time. But pre-COVID, we, you know, we, we basically would would do everything in person. So a, a person would, on their first day of work, would would show up at the office. They would, uh, you know, be greeted. They would have a schedule presented to them. They would then proceed to have, to uh, you know, uh, be brought to their office where their you know all their equipment would be, you know, laptop and other computer equipment, and then they would have a series of meetings with uh, with people in various firm departments, you know, whether it's, whether it be HR, IT, finance, paralegals, uh, library services, et cetera. So they had this sort of whole, whole number of short meetings that they would have over the first, you know, couple of days, I think. Uh, and it would then taper off into other meetings that they would have more with their practice group. Um, and that would include the, you know, the group leader, uh, peer mentors, uh, professional development manager, and, and so on. So that was the that that really was the process pre-COVID and turning to you know since we've been in in uh, COVID world it it really has more or less changed the same 
other than, of course, you know, everything is done by video conference. And uh, because we do have an office in New York as well, there's been no uh, inter-office travel involved. And previously, the uh, hires into the New York office would come up to Boston just because all of the all of those departments that I mentioned are uh, are located in Boston. And so that has, uh, has just transitioned into uh, uh, purely a video conference format. And what has the feedback been from the new hires about how the virtual onboarding has gone to date? We've had some very positive feedback, actually. And, and I think my guess is that a part of it is because they're, they may be surprised at just how seamless it is. And they you know, were maybe expecting some difficulties in, in that onboarding process. But we've had some specific feedback from, from folks who were hired into the New York office who were laterals. And, you know, so those folks would know what it means to work in a, in a law firm. In fact, some of them I'm sure have done some onboarding themselves and they were really very pleased with, with uh, not only how seamless it was, but how comprehensive it was. Yeah. And were there any specific things they highlighted that they felt were especially helpful as they integrate into your firm? I think it was the, just the amount of contact with people that they had. So they were able to, you know, pretty quickly, not only learn about the various functions that, you know, might be slightly different from what they were used to before, but also just to meet their, meet their colleagues. And uh, in fact, one of the things that they, that they really were very positive about was the, uh, because they they would be situated in New York, but the ability to, to meet probably even more people from the Boston office than they might have done otherwise. Hmm. Okay. And that's because, you know, it's just easier to set a meeting and they don't have to travel and coordinate exactly. schedules that way. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, I, I, in fact, I would guess that, that that is something that we would uh, incorporate going forward, even, you know, after we're able to return to the office that, um, you know, we might still have people from New York come to the Boston office, but I think that, you know, sort of as, you know, more check-ins and, and that sort of thing. I think video conferencing is certainly here to stay. And, you know, you mentioned they've been pleased about the the constant contact. I mean, what does this look like? Like Zoom happy hours, Zoom lunches? <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Right. Oh, yeah. All of that stuff. Zoom happy happy hour, lunches, coffees, all of that stuff. We've had trivia night things, um, just any kind of things to introduce and keep more more contacts up, more, you know, have some fun in, with it as well. I think all of those things add to sort of a more personal feeling about, about everything because you may be talking with somebody who you only would have seen in the office previously. Now, of course, due to, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever, you're seeing people in, you know, sitting in their living room or sitting in, you know, someplace and maybe there's a dog wandering by or there's some kids busting into to ask a question. So it, it does, uh, it, it does really humanize, uh, kind of everybody's perspective. And I know you had a, um, you know, in these panel interviews, you had a favorite question you like to ask, has there been anything from your end in meeting new colleagues that you've found, um, you know, I don't know, it's been what you've enjoyed the most in this process? That's a good question. I think probably it's the, I think probably the, um, so the, the happy hours that we've had in our group have been, you know, particularly well attended by some of the, uh, some of the newer hires. So that's been a great way to, to be able to, to get to know them better, whether it's, you know, what, what did they do 
previously or you know what are their observations on how it is to to work at a law firm how it is to you know work work at our law firm in particular and you know what do they find interesting about the work um, it, it just gives a more you know immediate opportunity to to get that kind of information and, and feedback yeah and you know approximately how often would you say that you've try to do these virtual happy hours or other trivia events, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year we were doing them every week and um, we saw some dwindling uh, <laughs> attendance towards the end of the year. I, I'm not sure if that was just, you know, people were getting, you know, a little bit tired of doing it or, or whatever, but we're going bi-weekly now and it's, um, you know, early, it's, it's early still in the year, but it seems to be, seems to have picked up again. Right. You know, of course, a new attorney coming into a firm will want to, connect with the firm's clients as well. And I know in the past, you maybe could have done a client lunch or something like that. You know, how are you helping these new hires get to know clients as well? Oh, it's, well, of course, that's much easier. I mean, yeah, I, I can give you some examples from, uh, you know, from my own practice. So yeah. a number of my clients are uh, situated in Europe. So, you know, in years past, I would try to make a, a trip there once or twice a year to, to go see them. And, uh, you know, of course, that's out the window now. Uh, it, it would be harder to take a bigger part of the team with me to, uh, to go meet the clients. And, um, you know, whether it would be to meet them socially or meet them, you know, for business purposes. But, but now with video conferencing, you know, it's super easy to just have everybody on the same, on the same Zoom call. And uh, it's great because, uh, you know, I get very positive feedback from, from clients on this. It's that they, if they had not previously met the you know, the team member on our side, uh, it's great for them to, to have that chance to do so. And likewise, from, you know, from, from our side, even very junior people now having a chance to, you know, get hands-on experience with, uh, with the clients is great. Yeah, because you can just kind of set up a Zoom meeting and then everyone's there as opposed to, I guess, in the past, I mean, there maybe would have been, as you said, you could only go once or twice a year and I'm guessing you couldn't send too large a contingent either. That's exactly right. And, and any, the other, you know, the other contacts might've been through uh, telephone calls, which is, which is fine, of course, but there is a, there is definitely a value to being able to, to see somebody while you're talking with them. Right. And, you know, I know you mentioned earlier, there were some things like even post COVID that you would like to maintain. Is this kind of client contact, something you could see, you know, being a regular, you know, part of the routine moving forward as well? Oh, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. I, you know, I think that uh, there are, <laughs> although, although there are sometimes it's nice to just have a phone call, um, it, you know, at other times uh, it's invaluable to have the video conferencing. And I think that clients seem to enjoy it so much that I'm sure we'll continue to do that and hopefully add to that, you know, the in-person visits, um, you know, on a, on a regular basis as well, depending on, of course, where they're located, it may be more or less frequently. But I think I think the best of both worlds is to combine both of those ways of, of uh, keeping in touch with clients. And I know sometimes, you know, there are like partner retreats, you know, for any of these like longer or engagements that would, you know, normally go a day or two. I mean, how is the firm approaching that type of activity? Mm. Yeah, we actually don't have uh, very much on that kind of time frame. I think the longest meeting that I've been in it has been uh, at least the longest scheduled meeting has been three hours. And, you know, some of our longer meetings 
have been the uh, have been shareholder meetings, and those have gone, you know, sometimes are going that long as well. But we don't, we haven't, at least we have in the past, but it's quite rare that we've done the kind of all day retreats in, uh, as I said, pre COVID times. So we haven't really had to specifically adapt to that. All right. Well, you mentioned shareholders there. It was something else I did want to ask you about during this discussion, which was I saw in January your firm announced it promoted the most shareholder, most attorneys to shareholder at one time in the firm's history. And I was wondering what that process was like during COVID-19. Sure. Yeah. The process was, was actually, you know, essentially the same as it, as it has been um, in the past, save for the, you know, the inability to meet in person, but, you know, otherwise it's uh, we got the same, you know, we got the same data in advance. We, you know, the same information to consider. Um, we had the same number of meetings to discuss uh, the candidacies, except uh, as you've already mentioned, there were, there were a lot of them. So we, I think we had some additional meetings um, and there was the same, you know, really kind of robust discussion uh, uh, about each of these candidates as they, um, as they came up. And, and that was, I think that was, it was encouraging how quite normal it was. Yeah. I mean, we're, did you feel like there was anything missing or as you're describing, was it pretty seamless? It really was the whole, you know, consideration process was, and, and voting process was, was really quite seamless. I think the, the only thing that I can really point to that was missing is, you know, after, after the vote, uh, of course, you, you know, we would ordinarily maybe, you know, go visit a person in their office and say, congratulations. Now we could, you know, we could do that by, by phone or, or, uh, or video conference, that's fine. But the thing that was really missing was sort of in that first meeting in the new year when the new shareholders join join that meeting and there's a chance to congratulate them. And, and there's a, something special about that that time, that meeting that uh, I think is is really the thing that I noticed was was conspicuously absent. And so hopefully we'll, you know, be able to make it up to them as we're able to get back to the office. But, um, you know, that's, that's our, our, at least the hope. Yeah, well, it sounds like um, something to look forward to post-COVID-19. Indeed. Well, John, thanks so much for joining me. Lyle, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, and, and thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to rate and review the Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.